0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. What is the Geekly Oddcast? It's a panel show of television... I mean, seriously, where else was I supposed to go and watch a Gomez Adams ride a rocket ship on a railroad track? Gaming. And the dice say... 17. Oh my god, 17 is Mystic Quest and whatever comes to mind. Why does Zod need a starship? Alternating Thursdays on the Geekly Oddcast. Hello, and welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show Podcast. I am your host, the Monster, and yes, I am still alive, unfortunately, or fortunately for some. So yeah, it's been a very long time since the last podcast, so many apologies, but not only did life find a way, but life really got in the way in a many Wondrous things called life. I'm not going to react, I'm not going to do the Prince song, the opening to uh, Let's Go Crazy. But uh, since the last time I did the last podcast, my computer kind of got a virus or something to the fact that I started to upload all my past shows, my unedited audio uh, recordings of all the different podcasts that I do. Online to Google Drive and uh, had to upgrade to a full terabyte of information to keep all my stuff up there So once I did that I was like hey, I'm just gonna just reboot everything from the beginning do a whole factory setting restart That's when the problems began, and I could not get back to a working computer. So that put me out of commission for some time. Thankfully, thank you to Mr. Matt, who you have heard on a previous podcast earlier this year, was kind enough with his intelligence, and yes, he does have intelligence, even though I kid him that he does not, uh, really got my computer back up and running. So once that happened, other things came into play that kind of prevented me from really getting back into the swing of things. And I felt really bad not being able to do a podcast for a very long time. But like I said, many things have gotten in the way. And I'm hoping to get back to this point in my life where things, as crazy as they are, you know, my daughter is now in her last year of high school. So I have that coming up, or it, that already in the process, and, and my son's back to school as well. But with all that, you know, and I just turned 51 just recently, and I have lots of different uh, experiences with health issues and, and life issues and things of that nature. I finally broke down and and got myself a tattoo, and not a temporary tattoo, not the kind you find in you know in your bazooka gum. You just lick and stick it onto your face or whatever, but an odd, honest to God <laughs> tattoo. If you have Instagram, you can see the actual images that I have of the tattoo. So the the image, if you are so damn lazy that you don't want to go and look at it, is the glyph for Superman from the Man of Steel. And the glyph is what Henry Cavill's character, the Man of Steel, refers to as the symbol stands for hope, even though it's an S on Earth. <laughs> but that hope that he talks about When I watched this movie and wore a Superman shirt, when I got rehired as a librarian and was about to be laid off again in 2013, I spoke in front of the commissioners about saving our jobs. My wife was there, she went and spoke before me, Uh, Mr. Jean came after me, and... Underneath the shirt that I was wearing, I probably told the story already, but I had a Superman shirt. So the picture is of Superman, and he's looking down, and he has his arms extended at the elbow outwards. So when I have that exact same pose, and I look at my right arm, which is my, my dominant arm, that's where I have my tattoo. Now the reason why I had that, because that gave me the strength. Psychologically, it gave me the strength to do something I've never done before, and that's the public speaking on a grand scale, so to speak. And when I do run, I listen to the Man of Steel soundtrack by Hans Zimmer. So combine those two things, it means a lot to have that symbol on me as a reminder that as tough things get in my life, There is always hope. And the people that are in my life I want to be able to give them the hope that they need in case of an emergency I'm there to help them. That they're not alone. So not that I'm asking them to call me Superman (laughs) or the Man of Steel but It has a very deep meaning for me. And I'm not doing this to be self-grandizing myself to a higher plane, but it was just more of when I get down or if I'm running and I need a, a certain boost, like when I listen to the Man of Steel soundtrack, even if I'm not running, I feel my adrenaline pumping and I get into that mindset that I can do this. I can go ahead and achieve whatever it is that I'm doing or get past this point to be in a happier place. So every time I clench my fist and I look at my forearm, that's when I get to see that tattoo. And a tattoo is pointing towards me, not the other way around. Because one of the things that the tattoo artist, um, whose name is Ozzy at, at Tattoos for Lou, so the little promo there, had asked me right before I did this how to put, how to put the actual placement on there, and he talked about having me face down, and and luckily, you know, I asked my family and my wife pointed out, no, it should be facing towards you because the tattoo is for you, and that made the, the confirmation even more cemented because she was right, and it, it, it is for me. So when I show my tattoo, it's upside down to you. But it's not for you. It's just for me. So, But I'm happy I got to do that. It, it's something that I never thought I would ever do. It took 51 years to get there. But hey, I'm a rebel. <laughs> not the Star Wars kind of rebel, but the rebel yell. Ow. It hurts. <laughs> Let me tell you, it really... Did hurt. And it was just aggravating for a whole hour. And I'm like, yeah, I know. You're a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I don't care. I made it through. I earned my rank, so to speak. uh, I'm done. I'm good with this one tattoo. I don't need any more. Alright, so... That's what I've been doing, and literally every day I'm like, "Oh my god, I really want to talk about this. I really want to talk about this." I, I, God, or or getting together with Gene has been the exact same problem. You know, oh, we got to talk about this, and you know, luckily we got to see a couple of things. Um, Well, we saw separately was the Ant Man versus Wasp, which we both didn't like and the mission impossible movie the last one that uh, tom cruise which honestly it should be the last one i'm kind of done with mission impossible so hopefully on a future podcast we can talk further about those movies but i really want to get back into the swing of things so when i do my sci-fi news i do a big three topics for the week and for this week, I am going to be talking about a couple of things. We have the CW finally announcing the crossover big events for twenty eighteen. I uh, will be talking about the Watchmen now series on HBO that's coming soon. We also have the Star Trek debacle, or the the Chris Crisis, or the Chris Squared Crisis. Uh, where Star Trek Four may be in jeopardy. And then after that, I'm actually going to be talking about Disenchantment, the new Matt Groening series on Netflix, who, if you know The Simpsons or Futurama, he has a new series on Netflix, so I'm going to review all ten episodes quickly within the next 20 minutes, because I have to go back on the desk. Because I'm doing this at work, during my lunch. So let's get started with this. All right, so the big news that they finally came out just uh, earlier this week there's a new poster for the crossover. So, which starting on December 9th, which is on a Sunday, which is weird, the Flash is going to start off the, the beginning of this trio, and then December 10th is Arrow, and then December 11th is going to be Supergirl. So, kind of a, a weird reverse because normally. Last year, it was Supergirl, Flash, Legends, and then Arrow. Previous year, the once uh, all four episodes, of which I was like, I watched a whole episode of Supergirl. that had nothing to do with that whole crossover, except for the last two seconds. So here, she's now the anchor for this crossover, so that's kind of interesting. The big news that we're going to be getting out of all of that is that We're going to get Batwoman, played by Ruby Rose. And if you've not seen her, she is on Orange is the New Black. And once more, the douchebags on the internet who are hating people for whatever reason, as dumb as they are, are really aggravating the hell out of me to make these actors leave social media. I, for one, I applaud the fact that DC is taking a, a great step in introducing a lesbian character. Supergirl is going to be getting a transgender hero. So it's time in which, oh, even um, on, uh, I think it was Legends, the, the Ray character is gay with uh, with his partner, uh, Citizen Cold. On the Earth X uh, crossover, so they have no issues, you know, to kind of represent those have not been represented, kind of like the forgotten people. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? So I'm wondering if those forgotten people that supported Trump are the same people that are against these forgotten people, or for whatever reason, it just doesn't make sense. This whole climate since the Muppet <laughs> took over <laughs> in 2016, was it not 2016 2017 yeah it's, it's forever that things have gotten really downhill so at least we have a community that does support all these heroes and all the villains regardless of gender regardless of sexual preference or sexual identity. There's no need for that. We're all accepting. I just want to be entertained with great stories and great characters. You can do that. You have my money. Speaking of which, I forgot to mention this, one of the things that I did for myself, I bought the DC Universe streaming pass. So for the fifteen months, like what seventy nine whatever dollars, I have that. I'm now waiting for that to happen, so I promised myself that was the gift, aside from the tattoo, but that was more from the family. But the streaming service, I really wanted that, because I'm a big DC fan, and I love Marvel dresses much, but honestly, when I look at, we talked about this many times before, the the Marvel property as a whole does not compare anywhere to the DC side. And since I'm talking about DC, there's something I, I'm like, how could I have missed this? But there is no more DC EU, which is the DC Extended Universe for their movie franchise. Now it's the, the Worlds of DC. That's the new name for that universe or the movie franchise. Okay, we'll go with that. It's It's much better than the Sony's Take on their movies with their heroes. Honestly, it's only one hero. But they're referring to it it's Sony's universe of Marvel characters. So the acronym is Sunk. <laughs> Sunk. Hmm. I like that sound. Sunk. Anyway, let's move on. All right. Uh let me skip over to Star Trek 4 real quick alright so the big story was that we we're going to get Chris Hemsworth back and Chris Pine in which there was going to be a time traveling story in which this could have been to repair or undo the uh, the cock not the Cochrane. <laughs> oh my god the Kelvin timeline I'm getting too old Or I'm just so damn rusty from not podcasting because I I should have known this off the top of my head. All right, so the Chris's. Chris Helmsworth, which was Kirk's dad, and Chris Pine, which was James Kirk, were in negotiation and basically walked away from the table. Why? They don't really need the money, or at least don't have their talents not meant by f- serious cash. So the problem lies, had Star Trek IV taken place shortly after Thor Dark World, and have Star Trek IV taken place for Chris Pine shortly before Wonder Woman, I would have said you could have bought them both for a song easily. Not a problem. But, since then, you have Crims Hellsworth who did Thor Ragnarok, which was hilarious as can be, and of course the Avengers Infinity War and then you have Steve Trevor, or Steve Chris Pine playing Steve Trevor in the Wonder Woman movie and in the sequel, which is not really a sequel according to uh, Jenkins Wonder Woman 84. So, you know, their demands are going to have to be met. The problem lies, because of the Star Trek financial situation, it's like paying Robert Downey Jr. his salary, which is the budget for the movie itself. And then you need to pay and and get a budget after that. So double that, and maybe you can squeak out a, a, a crappy... Netflix movie because you cannot afford to keep both actors on a high salary and then put a budget on top of that and expect it to perform better than the last two sequels. And the problem lies as sequels continue, the profit is going to dwindle. The, The anticipation of a new movie, unlike Marvel, Star Trek doesn't have that kind of return on investments. Granted, you have two big names that are going to be in this story, and if the story was going to reconcile the Calvin universe as if to wipe it out, so that you can then do a combination of what you will have on Star Trek Discovery being on. The new Star Trek movies, I don't know, but, you know, the reason why they're separate is because of that Kelvin timeline. Paramount has one thing, CBS has another. But there's a one-time discussion of having both come up, basically be re- reunited, and that's not, seems to be going that way. But in any case, we just cannot afford their salaries. So does that mean we'll get the Quentin Tarantino movie instead. Not for some time, because he is busy doing the the Manson murder movie and that is filming right now. Should be released sometime in 2019. So, if I'm going to be optimistic, maybe 2021 is when we'll probably see the next Star Trek movie, if Tarantino still wants to do it by then. So, until that time happens... No one's going to care about Star Trek unless Discovery season whatever is still going on. So, the other thing to note also is that we're going to get another Star Trek series with Jean Luc. Uh, based fr- from Comic Con, he says, Jean Luc is back. Okay. What about everyone else? (laughs) He made no mention about anyone else. So, my thinking, and I would love to see how this would be. This is going to take place 20 years, thereabouts, after Nemesis, which I'm planning to go back and do, oh my god, that Star Trek, not the Star Trek rewatch, but my rewatch series. Nemesis was going to be next in the play because I rewatched it. And I never got a chance to record it, or at least finish the recording, because, again, damn laptop. Anyway, uh, so would it be a much older Jean-Luc, and then what his life would be? Maybe. Would it be an alternate universe version of that character, hence why you would have the Kelvin timeline kind of play into that? I don't know, because I always thought... Well, if you're going to have that alternate universe in which Vulcan is destroyed, you're going to have to not necessarily have the same characters, or the characters that you know are going to be completely different because situations are not the same. So we'll see what happens with Jean-Luc, the series, (laughs) Uh, but in any case, I don't know what to do from this point on, other than trek on <laughs> with Star Trek Discovery and hope for the best, but honestly, they cannot afford the salaries, and unfortunately, I think that's what's going to kill Star Trek Four from even happening, and that's sad to say. Can you do this movie without Chris Helmsworth? Yes, you can. You just don't do a story with him, as Kirk said. Can you do this story without Chris Pine? Not really. Uh yeah, you can't. You, you, you really established that's his Kirk, and that's the Kirk we're following right now. I don't see this being up for other negotiation of less. We can only afford one Chris's. Sorry, Helmsworth. Point break, take a break. Alright, so let's get started talking about the Watchmen series that's coming to HBO. Now, my first thought when it came to the Watchmen movie was that this is a very dense graphic novel to begin with. How is it possible they were going to film everything including the... uh, the Black Freighter storyline, a subplot that was running through the whole movie. Luckily, Zack Snyder did a a fantastic job in adapting that to the big screen. The only difference that he had to do was, if you have not read the book, spoilers, but there's a squid, (laughs) a giant squid, in the climax of the story that causes a lot of destruction. But basically... He was able to come around to fix that problem, to make it a little bit more uh, within the story um, parameters, to make it more on on that level. A giant squid was just a little too campy. But again, books are one thing, and movies are another thing. But I enjoyed that movie immensely. Now, having heard about this Watchmen series, uh, that was something that I thought... It might be a stretch, uh, only because that's a closed story. That universe is kind of closed, unless they're planning to play within that time frame in which while this was going on in the Watchmen, there happened to be other heroes or other he- or villains or storylines going on while that was going on. That was my mistake. Basically, Damon was going to look at it as not remaking that comic. Um, He was going to basically make it a fresh storyline set in present day with new characters. So, I guess it's kind of a sequel-ish, if you want to consider that. Although, if you want to talk about, well, in this universe the characters and storylines are not going to be represented because he says nothing of that nature that the original Watchmen will have anything to do with this other than that universe set to present day, which, if you go back then, Richard Nixon was on his third term of being president. So move that to the age of Trump and how we're all kind of screwed up with that, you can kind of make some parallels to that era from the 80s to what's happening now. I I guess that's fine. My thought was that this was going to be happening during that time frame back in the 80s, but then you're running the risk of telling stories that are from like an alternate 1985, basically. That's not, that's not the point, but we'll see how it goes from that point on. The other thing to note that really is an amazing thing is the, the amount of people they have for this. Um, Louis Gossett Jr., right off the bat, haven't seen him in ages, but he was very big in the 70s and 80s. And he won an Oscar for uh, an officer and a gentleman. So, and he was an enemy mine. so I love Louis Gossett Jr., I'm glad to see him back. We also get Jeremy Irons, who he was Alfred in the last uh, couple of Batman movies. We are getting Don Johnson from Vice, Regina King, also from Southland, which I used to love watching that show as well. Um, The other thing that, like, the name kind of took me back, but I'm like, oh, it's that guy. and I'm going to mispronounce his name but it's Yahya Abdul Mateen II and if you don't know who that is, it's okay because I didn't know myself until I looked in the credits on IMDB. He's playing Black Manta for the upcoming Aquaman movie so I'm really stoked about this that you have this amount of star power And you're really touching on something that is kind of a big deal. This is, to me, this is one of those graphic novels that really gets you thinking about superheroes in a different way. Um, Up to that point, you would never see this kind of storyline that's much darker and you had flawed characters. um, And lots of violence. I mean, it is... A, really, a more adult storytelling of superheroes in a way that I've never seen before. So, it does have an enormous task ahead of itself, considering from when the graphic novel first came out to when the movie came out not that long ago to this atmosphere that we have now, in which we have a lot more TV. And movies that have pushed the envelope as far as what Watchmen first produced. So, is that world going to be even more darker? Is it going to be more overly sexualized or overly violent? I mean, it's really going to have to up the game considering what we have seen to date. You know, look at Game of Thrones and what that show has done to kind of up the score as far as their storytelling and the use of violence and sex all together so that's, that's a high bar to reach so I'm happy to see that we're going to get a Watchmen TV series but I'm curious to see where it goes I'll have to I guess plunk down some money to see uh, Watchmen when it does come out on HBO but I'm going to give it a shot I'm not saying never, but I'm going to give it a shot. So, alright, so that's enough of my big three topics. Let me go into, finally, a quick review of Disenchantment. So, Disenchantment came out recently, not too long ago, uh, about a couple of weeks from I'm recording this, in which it's Matt Groening, who, if you know The Simpsons and Futurama, this is another series that now Netflix has Its own. So, considering how long The Simpsons have been going on, still since I saw this back in the 80s, and Futurama, though not as huge as The Simpsons, I have actually enjoyed that over the numerous times I've been rewatching that series. With Disenchantment, if you don't know the, the characters, the main three is Bean, who's played by Abby Jacobson, Lucy, who's a demon, play, played by Eric Andre, and Alpha, played by Nat Faxon. So, without going into the story, because you probably should know already what's going on, but the first two episodes deals with Bean, who was supposed to be married to a prince to form this alliance, and basically it all goes to hell. But along the way, Lucy becomes this personal demon for for being. And Elfo comes from like this elf land that he doesn't want to be always happy. He wants to be miserable, so he winds up leaving hap- that happy land and coming over and finding this kingdom. So the three of them wind up having their own adventures after that point. Now, one of the cool things that took me a while, I'm like, why does that voice sound familiar? And Abby Jacobson plays Abby from Broad Street, who I love and adore, watching that on Comedy Central. So it's kind of cool. It's like one of those, you know, I've heard of this band before they made it big, and now everyone that knows her, the band's not cool anymore. Well, I'm still kind of happy that Abby has now moved to the point where now she's the lead in basically this animated series, and hopefully can make um this work so there's no problem with the voice acting at all i've enjoyed everyone's performance i gone to enjoy you know alpha's little quirks and lucy i'm actually kind of happy for lucy because i need to have kind of like a dark element like bender was for futurama lucy kind of fits that bill but what i'm struggling with is that one this is 10 episodes, so that's okay for a season, but it's the story arc that I'm like, I'm trying to think back when I first watched Futurama, you know, they had to establish who the main lead, which was Fry, and Professor Farnsworth, and Dr. Zoidberg, so all these different characters had to be established right from the very beginning, but to me, from that point on, It didn't really need to be dependent upon you watching the previous episodes in order to find their kind of relationship to each other or are these stories connected. I don't remember from that point on if that was established in the Futurama. It might be, since it's been such a while ago, but maybe the first couple episodes they had to establish that as to how far I got into the future and, and so forth. So with this, you know, having seen all the episodes within like three days, three days, yeah, you yeah, know, three days, uh, I, I watched it all, and like the first couple of episodes, I got the sense of what it, they're trying to do, and not until the third episode that I figured, oh, they're, they're, they're kind of loosening up where they're going to go with this, but it, it's still kind of, each episode still ties into its arc. So I'm kind of concerned that even though I am fine, there are a couple of laughs here and there, it was okay. It wasn't stellar. But same thing could be happening with, with Futurama. I didn't think Futurama was that funny to begin with, but over time, it got better. So I'm thinking, once that initial rush of a new series, and you settle down, you have these characters. Then you start playing with their quirks and their interactions with each other and pair them up with different people from time to time. So I get that. Now, recently I rewatched, because over uh, for my birthday I bought Futurama, not Futurama, mm-hmm. uh, I bought uh, Rick and Morty Season 2. And I rewatched that, and it is nothing like that at all. Rick and Morty, it's its own beast. But they throw everything and put things that I've never seen before in a very different way, and it's funny as hell, and even though it's crude and and loud and very adult, I enjoy the hell out of Rick and Morty. Like, it feeds a lot of things in my life that I need to kind of like laugh and just like be shocked by at times Disenchantment, you know it's very light it doesn't go for you know the hard R laugh that kind of thing it it, it does what it does like it does with the Simpsons Um, but even with the Simpsons if I remember correctly when they did their own movie and there were things that they were doing that I'm like that's not very Simpson like that seems to be like as a result of like the family guy what the family guy was doing pushing the envelope and crossing that line of what you a normal cartoon series should be so I haven't seen The Simpsons in ages and I'm sure the exact same, same thing could happen for like South Park and yet South Park is still on the air why I have no Absolute reason why that show is still on the air, but there, I guess, there's some kind of following towards that. Not that I didn't enjoy the hell out of that TV series, but after a while, it was just the exact same thing. The kids never really grew up, there's the exact same premise, and the kids curse a lot. And you know, Cartman's a fat ass, that's all. So, could disenchantment reach the level of that longevity? that South Park has, or Family Guy, or The Simpsons. It's going to be tough if things don't progress further in the next coming seasons. So, again, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the performance. I just wish, you know, let's not play it safe. Let's kind of push the envelope. I mean, for God's sakes, it is Netflix, you can basically throw out the damn book and really go to... not something you have to do, you know, yes, you know, uh, what's that movie? Your Highness. The one with Danny McBride and, uh, what's Padme's name? <laughs> Annihilation. I see. Natalie Portman. I'm, like, looking at all the different characters that she's played, and I can't think of her name as Natalie Portman. Um uh, uh, Your Highness, I really hysterically funny. Uh, you can do, you know, Robin Hood or Princess Bride, which I think Princess Bride is probably the best type of fantasy that mixes humor that's appropriate. Disenchantment can get to that point in which I can start quoting Princess Bride easily because of what they wrote and how it is just so fun, and beautiful, and funny to watch that movie. Disenchantment can do that on on that kind of level, then they're set. They just need to kind of tweak what they're doing, and just kind of push it a bit more. Not playing safe, because it's... again, it's okay. I like it a lot. I've watched it all, but I want a little bit more. So, I'm hoping that season two will get a little bit more. Alright, so that basically is the end of my podcast. So, I talk all about my big threes and we have talked about this And I'm hoping. I am really hoping and I'm desperately trying to get back into the group of things in which not only my podcast will be going back on on a weekly basis, but also Mr. Gene and I will get back to a similar groove in which we'll be doing our podcast as best as we can, as we've done in the past and even more so in the future. So, remember, you can always follow me on the very social network, because even though I didn't do any damn podcasting, I do post a shitload of crap on my Facebook page, on Twitter, and in my Instagram page as well. So, don't forget, you can always email me at monster sci-fi show at gmail.com so thank you again for listening to me and to the monster sci-fi show podcast it's sci-fi from a certain wow that's how long it's been i can't even say that right it's sci-fi from a certain point of view god damn it good night